Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, this is another episode of Nobody Likes Casey McLean, and it's another episode that's coming out slightly late. It's coming out on a Thursday, probably a little bit after noon. Um, the reason is that I was supposed to have an interview at this time, and I did not. Uh, it didn't happen. It's coming. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to be pretty good. Coming out next week, in all likelihood. Uh, this episode, I want to. What I'd like to emphasize from a plugs standpoint is: Could you please come to Jewelbox Theater inside of the Rendezvous in Seattle? I'll be there with a couple buddies of mine. The show is called Casey McLean and Other Funny Comedians. I'll be there with friends of mine named Greg Beechler and Richie Armani. Two very funny comics. Uh, I'll be doing, I think that I'll probably end up doing 40 minutes. Since I released the Baby Weight EP, I, uh, I've, outside of that material, I have like 30 strong, 15 decent, and uh, about 15 that's dog shit that we'll see if it ever gets there. So, <clears throat> Come on out if you would. It's been uh it's very exciting. It's gonna be stressful because as of right now, as ticket sales sit right now, I would lose money on the show. So come on out. Uh tickets are available on Eventbrite. I'll put a link in the show description. Also, if you would please send me a voicemail at two five three two three seven three two one seven. I haven't recorded voicemails or I haven't listened to voicemails in a while, so come on out. Uh, or send a, come on out, uh, whatever, send a voicemail, send a text, send a uh, video message, whatever you want to do. I'll play almost anything on the air. Okay. So let's talk about some sports, baby. Uh, Richard Sherman, uh, responded to a segment on good morning football. I'm going to play the segment or at least part of it, but it's a it's a Michael Robinson who's a former teammate of Richard Sherman's in Seattle, an incredibly talented broadcaster. He used to have a show, a weekly YouTube show that was like basically created in the Seahawks locker room. It was fantastic. It was really amazing. And Michael Robinson is now or at least I don't I don't watch the show Good Morning Football. I suspect I don't know if he's let's see. Is he an actual host of it or he used to have uh Nate Burleson on it. Oh, it looks like uh God, they have, well, they have six names on here, so I guess he is a, I guess he is a host. Um, truly great, truly great. But let's hear Michael Robinson talk about Matt Stafford, uh, 
and hear what started this uh, internet argument. You look at what he did in this playoff run, and to your point, Peter, yes, he's a gold jacket. Absolutely. The numbers bear it out, and now the ultimate team goal, which is to win a Lombardi, to win a Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford actually had, has. And he was a huge part of winning, winning this particular Super Bowl. Look, check out these numbers. 4-0. Okay. 70% completion. 70. Out of 10 throws, he's completing seven of them. Right? That, that's, that's efficient passing. That is playing at a highest level when your team needs you to play at, a high, play at the highest level. Over 1,100 yards passing in four games. Nine touchdowns, only three interceptions. Mm -hmm. Nine touchdowns, nine explosive touchdowns, only three interceptions. That's so un-Matthew Stafford-like, right? His previous uh, playoff, uh, four touchdowns, three interceptions. He was giving, he was throwing games away. And then second, guys, what Matthew Stafford brings uh, from a confidence standpoint to the rest of this team. Mm. All right, so those numbers are good. They're one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, where we're going to end up is I, there's a thing that happens with Richard Sherman, and I have some suspicions as to why it happens. One of the things is uh, Richard Sherman is an outspoken asshole. So if you don't like the team that he plays for, um, there's a chance he could rub you the wrong way that his demeanor could rub you the wrong way. I love it. I think he's hilarious. I think he's uh, also incredibly intelligent. So while the while the the shit talk is bombastic, I think he's it's always backed up. I think he's always backed up by facts. And I I saw a guy like a, a semi-prominent Seattle sports fan tweet like it sucks to see Richard Sherman going into the bad place in real time. And I find that shit, there's so, we do so many things right now that are so reductive. It's so reductive to be like, well, Richard Sherman can only have this opinion if he's going into the bad place because I'm a sports fan that's incredibly hyperbolic and I am mad at Richard Sherman or I have, I have feelings about the way Richard Sherman behaves on and off the field. And First off, so this let's let's go further into the beef. Uh, hold on, hold on, we'll get all the way there. Somebody re replied to this "Good Morning Football" and real Mike Rob, that's uh, Michael Mike Robinson on Twitter said, "Let's get Flacco a gold jacket while we're at it." And Michael Robinson said, "His numbers don't why his numbers don't back it up. Stafford's numbers back up his Hall of Fame argument." And Richard Sherman said, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, but the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now, like a participation trophy. No all-decade team. No all-pro. No MVP. One Pro Bowl. Not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never considered the best in any year he played. At least Matt Ryan has an MVP. And yes, thank you, Richard Sherman. This is exactly true. Now, I yeah I and I'll give you I'll give a little bit more. So there's this on Pro Football Reference. There is a uh, there's this metric that basically measures Hall of Fame viability. Oh what is, what is I want to know what it stands for. Let me see if I hover over if it'll tell me Hall of Fame Monitor Score is what it's called. Uh, and the average Hall of Fame quarterback has a hundred nine point score in the Hall of Fame monitor. For some reference, Tom Brady has a 259 Hall of Fame monitor score, Peyton Manning 257, Aaron Rodgers 187. These are your top 3 
Hall of Fame monitor scores of any NFL quarterbacks ever. There are Peyton Manning's obviously in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Matt Ryan has a hundred and two Hall of Fame monitor score. A guy who, by the way, I I was actually I've kind of been a little bullish on the idea that Russell Wilson would make it was like a surefire Hall of Famer, but from from the time that he started playing, he's got pretty much the highest Hall of Fame monitor score, uh, 80.29. He's got a lot of career left. He's going to have to accomplish more to, I think, be a surefire Hall of Famer. But in his 10 years of professional football, he has outpaced Cam Newton is a guy that's behind him. Matthew Stafford's a guy that's behind him. Um and then it gets even more. I mean, right now Patrick Mahomes is behind him. He's making up ground pretty fucking quickly. <clears throat> so the lowest score of anybody that's in the Hall of Fame is Jim Kelly, who has a fifty nine point one zero Hall of Fame monitor score. Five time Pro Bowler, uh zero time NFL champion. He was went to four straight Super Bowls. Uh, prolific career, not necessarily incredible statistically, but anyways, Jim Kelly's a Hall of Famer. Troy Aikman is the next lowest, lowest, and then you get to like Len Dawson, Warren Moon, Bob Greasy, Sonny Jurgensen, Ken Stamp. These are like old guys who's the other thing that these that um the guys the modern quarterbacks have is the benefit of an era that was more pass friendly. So the question is does that mean that more quarterbacks should get into the Hall of Fame or does that mean that we should adjust the numbers? And I think it's a little bit of both. One is when quarterbacks become the most important, even more, they're, they grow in importance from the most important posi- position in sports to an even more important position. I do think we should consider putting more quarterbacks in. It's the reason and a good reason why quarterbacks dominate the MVP voting. There is, oddly, there is an occasional running back. In fact, I want to say that that it's been exclusively quarterbacks and running backs that have won the MVP since, well, let's see, NFL <clears throat> MVP history. A nice cough off microphone. Um, how far do you have to go back to hit a non-quarterback or non-quarterback, non-running back? I mean, non, non-quarterback, you have to go back to 2006 when, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson won it. Sean Alexander of the Seahawks won it the year before, but let's see, can we even get to a non Lawrence Taylor and Lawrence Taylor has to be the only no, he's not the only uh, defensive player to ever win it, but 1986, the year I was born, is the last year that a non-quarterback slash running back won the award. And actually, I honestly think that's like that's right. I mean, I, I think there's arg- there's been arguments for, and I think compelling arguments for guys like Cooper Cup this year, for, uh, for uh, Calvin Johnson, the, his enormous year among a bunch of a bunch of great years. There are good arguments for it. Mark Mosley in 1982 is that the strike year? A kicker 
won MVP in 1982. What did Mark Mosley do in 1982? What kind of fucking league do we live in that the AP MVP was Mark Mosley? How did this happen? Hold on. Let's find out. What did, what did Mark Mosley do? That's an insane... Mark Mo- Mark Mosley, probably also not in the Hall of Fame, by the way. <laughs> MVP number one voted player made 20 of 21 field goals, long of 48. This, this has to be a strike-shortened year. Is this a strike-shortened year? Yes, okay. It's a nine-game season. Truly an insane year. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, Mark Mosley, that's stupid. No kicker should win the MVP award. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a, a long history of this. And to get back to the point, Matthew Stafford has put up these numbers. He's put up some numbers for sure. If you look at, uh, like him compared to Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson has thrown for 37,000 yards and Matt Stafford is right at the doorstep of 50,000 yards, 49,995 yards. Russell Wilson has thrown 292 touchdowns in his career. Matthew Stafford has thrown 323 touchdowns, uh, 161 interceptions for Matthew Stafford compared to 87 interceptions for Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson has taken care of the ball better. Interestingly, Russell Wilson, who has played two fewer seasons, who has thrown the ball how many fewer times? 4,700, 2,000 fewer times that Russell, Russell Wilson has thrown the ball. He's been sacked 427 times compared to 415 from Matthew Stafford, which modern uh, modern research and consensus is that the quarterback is responsible for many of the sacks. That taking a quarterback to that gets sacked a lot and putting him on a team with a, a, a reputedly better offensive line doesn't actually necessarily make him better. So I agree with Russell Wilson. I don't think that uh, Matthew Stafford, by the way, his his uh, Hall of Fame monitor score is sixty eight point four four. And then here's a list of uh, here's a list of quarterbacks who are not in the Hall of Fame that have won multiple. Uh, championships. Uh, well, here's a problem though, because they're like Joe Flacco is a good one. The one that everyone used to go to before Joe Flacco was another Ravens quarterback, uh, Trent Dilfer. Some of these guys won them, I think, not as starters. Yeah, like Carson Wentz. Uh, well, did Carson Wentz play in that game? I don't remember. Nick Foles slash Carson Wentz are like that's a weird one. Mark Brunel won one. When, where was he then? Well, he must have been in New Orleans the year that they won the Super Bowl. Anyway, the uh, let's see if we can get to quickly to where Mark Brunel won us. Because he didn't win one. Postseason game logs. Yeah, he was in New Orleans the year that they won one. Okay, that makes sense. Again, these were like that at that point, even do you count that as a Mark Brunel Super Bowl victory? I don't think you would. Uh so there's a lot of quarterbacks, is my point, that have won a Super Bowl. 
and are not Eli Manning is like a question mark on this. He won two Super Bowls. He threw for 57,000 yards. He threw 366 touchdowns. The average Hall of Fame monitor score for a Hall of Fame quarterback is 109. Eli Manning only got to 85.01. Uh, this is, yeah, this is, I think it's in question. I don't have a huge problem with the Matthew Stafford is not a Hall of Famer argument. Where he might be a Hall of Famer, and then he might have tarned, he might have been banned himself from the Hall of Fame, is as a drinker during the Rams parade. I'm going to play this clip of Matthew Stafford incredibly intoxicated at the uh, parade. He's holding up a bottle of 1942, I think it's Don Julio 1942 tequila, drinking it like it's beer, which is impressive. At the same time, I'm damn happy to be standing up here with you guys celebrating this shit. Come on. Let's go, y'all. I'm going to bring a little Southern hospitality to this. I appreciate y'all so much. You guys have been unbelievable. Unbelievable all year. And you know what? We appreciate you. So Stafford takes a big drink out of the 1942 bottle. He gets a hug from Aaron Donald. And I guess even though I hate the Rams, and I don't even really hate the Rams, the older you get, like, I just don't have it in me to be, like, to really carry the torch on any rivalry anymore. But the nice thing about Matthew Stafford winning, the nice thing about Aaron Donald winning is these are guys that you really feel like this is how they define their career. Of course, both of them are fantastically wealthy. Both of them have generational wealth, and that's awesome. However, the you a lot of players you feel like the championship is secondary. It's and I understand it by the way. For me, the championship would probably be secondary. The number one thing would be getting my uh my family in a position where several generations would not have to struggle. And these guys really seem to care. So that's nice. But then <laughs> another video came, uh, surfaced of, and I, I, I'll play it, but I don't think it's really going to, and I'm not, I'm not showing video of this, though we could. In the future, there could be a, a version of the show where we get to watch some videos together. I'm trying to figure out a way to make that work that isn't just fucking horrible. All right, so... Matthew Stafford standing on a stage. A photographer is uh, photographing him, backs up, or seems to back up and fall off the stage. And it turns out, so, and then Matthew Stafford, like, goes like, oh, shit, covers his mouth and walks away, which stands in stark contrast. Two things stand in stark contrast to Jalen Hurts a couple, couple weeks ago now, a couple months ago now, when the Washington football team's stadium banister failed and a bunch of fans fell that Washington commanders they are they were the football team at the time they are now the commanders when the football team's uh, banister fell and he was like stayed and helped people immediately jumped to the aid of people and listen I know a lot of these guys have so much PR training that maybe Jalen Hurts was like well shit I know I'm on camera and Matthew Stafford is hammer drunk but let's see if I'll play it and let's see what happens. I don't think there's any audio that's like super. 
Oh yeah, there's nothing. We'll, we'll we'll watch it together as <laughs> as a family. We'll start watching videos together as a family. Okay. <laughs> it's the reaction of the woman. There's another woman on stage, and uh, and I think she's on the Rams staff. <laughs> Her reaction is so. This is not a nice thing to laugh about. I'll recognize that. And we're going to talk about someone else who fell at the end of this podcast, but uh, I'm going to read the, <clears throat> this is the story uh, written by Cassandra Negley at Yahoo Sports. A photographer at the Los Angeles Rams victory parade fell off the stage in a stunning scene, fit for a movie, but with real life impact. And her friends are stepping up to help her out. Kelly Smiley was standing at the edge of the stage with cameras hanging from both shoulders when a live feed at the event caught her suddenly falling straight down out of the picture. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford and Kelly Stafford, that's who it was actually, uh, were standing near her when it happened. Kelly came to her, to her aid as much as she could from the stage, and the feed pulled back into a wide shot of the stage and crowd. Smiley shared the video later Wednesday from an emergency room while she awaited x-rays and said both cameras broke. A couple hours later, she, sh she said she had fractured her spine in the fall. Um, so I don't know what Matthew Stafford's supposed to do, but I do know it looks pretty rough. I did see some people, by the way, who were mad that he was drunk in public, and I, I don't know if he was smoking weed or not. There was some reference to smoking weed. I didn't watch any of the parade. It's also very funny to me that there were like 17 people at this parade, but uh, Matthew Stafford like doesn't look great here. A person falls off the stage and he walks away like, oh, fuck, this is not my mess. <laughs> this is uh, I, I actually like Matthew Stafford, but this is going to be lifelong ammunition for the people that for whatever reason do not like Matthew Stafford. All right. Phil Mickelson has, uh, there's apparently there is a league that is backed by, uh, the, by Saudi Arabia, by the Saudi Arabian government. No, by just Saudi money of some type. And Phil Mickelson is going to play in that league because it will pressure the PGA. And this is controversial for some people. Some people are angry about it, and I will say this. Phil Mickelson, uh, much like Matthew Stafford watching a reporter fall off the uh, fall off a stage and do nothing about it, he's done himself no favors in the benefit of the doubt department. Uh, this is what, what, uh, what Phil Mickelson said to Alan Shipnuck, a, who's an author who's writing a book about Phil Mickelson. They're scary motherfuckers to get involved with. <laughs> Phil Mickelson told author Alan Chip. That's uh they oh here's it continues. They killed Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA tour operates. And uh I guess he continues I know 20 guys who want to do this, Mickelson told Shipnick in the proposed Super Golf League. And if the tour doesn't do the right thing, there's a high likelihood it's going to happen. So this, I can understand people being mad about this, but 
one thing you got to understand is that like the NBA is fucking owned by China. This is not a PGA problem. This is not a Phil Mickelson problem. You may remember a couple years ago, Daryl Morey simply tweeted out his support for Hong Kong protesters. And it, the NBA lost some portion of, there were some estimates that they could lose up to like a billion dollars. China was turning, I don't know if China's brought the games back or not, but the NBA lost and people were, LeBron James, in an act of pure fucking cowardice, came out and said, basically condemned Daryl Morey. What did he say? Daryl Morey, LeBron James. So fucking. <clears throat> so he said, uh, I don't want to get into a verbal feud or sorry. I don't want to get in a feud with Daryl Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on the situation at hand. That's, and so many people could have been harmed, not only financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So just be careful what we tweet and say what, or what we say, sorry, ugh. So be careful what we tweet and say, and we do, even though, yes, we do have the freedom of speech, but there can be a lot of negative that comes with that too. Dog shit, horrible fucking, this is, I'm going to, God, I wish I could, we really do need to be on video. I'm going to figure out a way to make it like easy. The thing is, is there's almost no benefit on my end, except for just more work, but also not having to fucking read this. So Daryl Morey tweeted out, this logo that says uh, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. China has a horrific human rights record. The NBA is doing business with them. Their players are defending China. You see John Cena. What did John Cena apologize for like calling Taiwan a country? Is that right? John Cena apology to China. Here it is. Star and former pro wrestler John Cena has touched off an international controversy. Cena apologized to the people of China after calling Taiwan a country during a promotional interview with a Taiwanese broadcaster. Taiwan is a country. I mean, it, it's it's an independent country. John Cena is not alone in Hollywood in towing that line. <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to try to translate this for this. <laughs> He's, he, I didn't know John Cena did it in Chinese. <laughs> this is all just greed. It's all, these, these are principleless people and that's fine. It's okay to be without principles. Like I don't expect Phil Mickelson to have any more principles than John Cena. I don't expect him to have any more principles than LeBron James. These are people without principles. LeBron James did a fucking, uh, he's an activist for the things that he cares about and that are popular. And that's the case. Like, fine. That's fine. I don't expect more out of athletes, but I'm not mad at Phil Mickelson for, for taking Saudi money while, while the NBA and fucking WWE are bending over for China. I can't be mad about it. And then finally, uh, comedian Heather McDonald. Uh, fell down, uh, I guess it's a little over a week ago now. Uh, it was February 5th at the Tempe Improv. 
I'm going to play the audio and I'm watching the video from the set and then I'll talk about it in a, in a second. Never got COVID. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. So here she's fine, but you st- it's, it's almost like it seemed like she was having like a sinus issue at that point. And she starts to walk to the other side of the stage. So nice. So nice. She takes a step and now she, it's like almost, it almost looks like a bit. And the audience doesn't realize right away that it's not. And then that was the sound of her full, full speed, her head hitting the stage. And uh, she's got a skull fracture. She's back at home. I think she's doing, uh, back doing her podcast. She has a podcast called Juicy Scoop. And I... I worked with Heather McDonald a couple of years ago. So a lot of people are she's in this clip. It's an unfortunate clip because she's talking about the vaccine and how she's triple vaccinated and never got COVID. And there's a lot of stuff that people are speculating on about these unfortunate early deaths of otherwise healthy people. Heather McDonald did not die, but there's a lot of speculation. I don't know if it's, Again, like I'm not, I'm not, uh, my tendency is to believe that there's not, first off, one of the reasons why it feels like we have more celebrity deaths now is because we have so many more celebrities. There used to be like seven celebrities. Now there's fucking people who get are famous off shaking their ass on TikTok. So it's Heather McDonald. I worked with Heather McDonald a couple of years ago and she's very nice. I would bet. So Heather McDonald is doing a lot more than vaccinations. Uh, Heather McDonald is an attractive woman who's doing a lot to stay attractive. And there's a lot of things that could have contributed to this. I think they called it dehydration. I wouldn't be completely surprised if it was actually dehydration. I don't think this lady's, from my experience, I don't think she's out getting hammered. I don't think she's out doing drugs recreationally. Um, You know, maybe there's, she might talk about this. I don't know. Maybe there's some like Botoxy stuff happening. I know that uh, she she does burn the candle at all ends. My uh, my, I'm, th- it was interesting because I opened for her and I didn't know who she was before I opened for her, and then I found out she wrote for uh, Chelsea lately. And there's like a huge pipeline in comedy of comedians who wrote for Chelsea lately that are now successful comedians. Uh, Chris Frangiola, Ian Carmel, um, Josh Wolf. Fortune Feimster, Heather McDonald, a lot of comics, and I'm sure I'm missing some, by the way, have come from that pipeline. It's like the the Kyle Shanahan pipeline. But this is like, first off, the it looks so cartoonish, partially because she's wearing very high heels. But, oh my, I wonder, you know what I wonder is... God, there was a late show too. Can you imagine having to explain that to people? I I was at a I'll tell I guess I'll tell this one last story about it, then we'll get off this podcast. The weekend that I did, it was me and my buddy Josh Firestein opening. Heather McDonald has a lot of uh of uh family related material, children and marriage related material. So I did she asked us not to do any kid related material. I did just the pet joke that I was selling t shirts off of. Um I don't even think I had a kid yet. I bet you, I think I opened for Heather McDonald. Let's see it. I bet I have it on my calendar. Calendar.google.com. That's how you can find my slash your calendar. When did I open for Heather McDonald? Heather. 
2018. So I was, it was a, a little, a little less than actually my daughter might've been like recently conceived at that point. Cause I, I think, yeah, I think she was recently conceived or would be conceived very soon. Um, so I didn't have family material. I just had this pet material and so she asked us not to do family material. So Josh hosted, he's got a lot of family material or had more than I did at the time. He hosted, I featured Went it went great. I thought like Heather McDonald's crowd isn't necessarily my perfect crowd. It's like, I probably want like a 50, 50 male, female mix. And she was, it was there. There were a lot more women at the show than a normal show that I'm at. It's a good challenge for, uh, for anybody. But I, what I remember most is, or one of the things that I remember most is that she has had a deal on her Patreon that like, if you were a patron, you could buy these like special tickets or something like that. And the pressure people put on you when that's not going right, when that's not executed perfectly, she's like on the phone with her husband, who I think manages this part of the business. They're having like these very tense conversations that is has to pale in comparison to, hey, the late show's actually canceled because Heather McDonald has a fucking skull fracture, so she's not gonna make it to the ten thirty show. <laughs> she's uh she's doing well and that's good. She's very nice to me. I have no uh no complaints about Heather McDonald. I think she's funny and uh, go check her out when she's back on tour. Hopefully soon. That's. Also, it's it's got to be like, as a comic, you just want to be like known, for me anyway, you want to be known for the things you're proud of and not the things you're not proud of. And I have a lot of empathy for someone who, for a little while, is going to be known. Also, when it's like, like uh, Kate Quigley is a comic in LA. And what she's best known for at this point, it used to be uh, dating Darius Rucker which is already as a comic, that's not what you want. You don't want to be known for the person you date. You want to be known for your material. Well, now she's known as the one survivor of a cocaine party in Los Angeles. And I that's I have a lot of, I mean, obviously a lot of sympathy for the loss of friends of hers. But also, like, that's now your fucking life's biggest tragedy just follows you around. Ah, it's rough. You'll get through it, Heather McDonald. But uh, fuck, it's going to be embarrassing for a while. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter everywhere, the Casey McLean. Watch Babyweight EP on YouTube at youtube.com slash Casey McLean. And for the love of God, please come out and see me at the Rendezvous in Seattle.